This podcast was recorded for the Sound Environment Show on Radio Galari. Radio Galari is a community radio station based in the Kimberley, Western Australia. For more information, go to www.galari.com. We have the lovely Ilse, Ilse Bickle here. Hello. <laughs> Ilse, you've just been trekking through one of the most remote parts of Australia on a camel yeah. with the Australian Museum. This sounds really intriguing. Can yeah. you just give us a brief rundown of what happened? Yeah. I definitely can. So I worked, um, I work and every year, if I can, with Australian Desert Expeditions, which is an organisation that surveys the Simpson Desert using camels. So a common misconception is that we ride camels through the Simpson, and that's not actually true. We walk and the camels carry all of our food, swags, equipment. Sounds a bit unfair to me. I'd be making the equipment walk. (laughs) We, we have one camel that gets to ride and that's only because he's 94 years old so he'll ride half a day and uh, he's responsible for training his camel to do that. Wait, he'll ride half the day so he's yeah, walking? he still walks. At 94? He's amazing. Wow. Yeah, John Wilkinson, he's incredible. So, yeah. So I've been doing that. Um, this year we, we trekked in the Mungatiri National Park which is the Queensland border of sort of the Popel's Corner tri-border, which the Simpson sort of crosses from South Australia up to NTN, Queensland. Um, and this na- national park runs the border just there in the corner. Um, and the Australian Museum came out with us. We had scientists that were specialists with bats, mammals and bugs and also mollusks, which... Um, she's a marine biologist, but the mollusk side proved really handy for land snails, which are quite rare out there. Yeah. Mm. Quite bizarre. So these camels, I'm just really intrigued. How did you feed the camels and water them? They feed themselves, and it is really interesting um, watching what every day their diet change, and they pick and choose along the plants, well, the plants that are available. Like, we'll cross, believe it or not, lots of different habitat types. You might go through Gigi woodland or just, you know, dune grass fields or, also, you know, you might come to a riparian area where there's just an abundance of different sorts of plants and they'll, they'll pick and choose what they need um, or what's available. And so sometimes along the dune, up the slopes of the dune, dune there's succulents like a manuru, we call it, or a parakelia. It's like a really juicy, maybe a, similar to a pig face you might find on the beach, and that's full of water, and they'll smash that if they're thirsty. And then once they've eaten that for a few days, they don't want it anymore. They want something a bit drier, mm. a bit more fibre. Yeah, mm-hmm. so they look after themselves on the food front. Water side... Um, gets tricky so in years in 2010 and 11 those years out there were really wet we had heaps of rain and we came across water pretty regularly which was very special um but we didn't meant we didn't need to cut as much water out to the camels so every let's say every few weeks we have a logistics like a changeover where we maybe we stock up our food stores or change over camelia stuff or get different researchers in and out so we need to trek to an access point and that's where the water comes in. So we've got a big ochre and several four-wheel drives full of jerrys and huge water tanks and we carry water in basins to the camels. They get about two jerrys each normally if they're really thirsty and, and they'll suck it up like a straw. And they can drink two jerry cans worth of water in one go. Yep, and that'll last them till the next the next go, which is, you know, a few weeks. So they'll go a couple of weeks or so without water. Yeah, but they get a lot of water from plants, like we were saying, the manure. Yeah. Wow, they sound like the ultimate desert machine. They are the ultimate machine. They're amazing. Is there other benefits from using camels? There's heaps of benefits. They're gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> well, they dribble snot, grunt. 
<laughs> yeah, all those things <laughs> and more. Um, no, there are. There's several. Um, they like there's, the Simpson Desert is not the most easily accessed part of the country, and for that reason, it's not very well known, which is why we're out there doing surveys. Um, so there are a couple of tracks that cross it, but if we're going right into the heart to look at what critters live there, we need to be sort of away from roads and things to really get a sense of what's out there, and the camels are the ultimate way to do it. Um, horses don't really like the sand that you, you know, you have to go up and over dunes, which are really steep. And camels can carry, you know, 300 kilos of water. Or wow. So we have, we have 20 camels that come out with us and they carry everything. Another reason is, you know, looking after the environment, the four-wheel drives, you know, could cause soil erosion. There's also been cases of, unfortunately, four-wheel drives. I mean, there are four-wheel drive teams that go out through there and try and get fire and explore. But, you know, we found some fossil sites that were just had four-wheel drive tracks right through them. So oh, it's no. better for us to not contribute to to that possibility of of damaging what we're looking for um yeah and then there's this whole element of how amazing it is to walk country when you're walking you see things through a different eye you're slower um on an archaeological level and looking for fossils you you find a lot more because you're you're stepping over every step the way you can find grinding stones and flint and and plants that you might not have noticed through the window of a car um and then also there's this great historical element to using camels. You know, camels are brought to Australia for the Birkenwells expedition in 1860. Um, I mean, they were brought in 1840 to help build the railway across the country. Mm. And, you know, Cecil Madigan and Birkenwells and Australia are all using camels to cross that same space. So there's this sort of very rich traditional element to the camel camp and how, how the camel runs, which is what I really love about it. Even though I got into it through my ecological background, I've was quickly converted to cameleering as a really beautiful lifestyle and a, and a great way to find peace of mind out there in the desert and work wow. hard. Yeah. You make it sound very romantic. <laughs> it can be, yeah. <laughs> and did you have a favourite camel? Oh, I tried not to, but you always do. Um, <laughs> everyone's favourite camel, and that I think people try not to, but everyone's favourite is Morgan, who is the Hollywood film star. He's the camel that features in Tracks, Robin Davidson's story <laughs> of crossing the journey. Um, so he, he, he he's done most of the sound effects of that film, and, yeah, he, he's just one of the characters. They used him a lot in that film. Um, does, he, does he have those Hollywood good looks? He does. He's cute and fluffy, but he's also big and strong, and he... He's a singer dance, too. <laughs> He's not very cuddly, like he, but he's just so reliable and he has these quirks, which we might hear later, of being just particularly grumpy in the morning, almost times of the day, really. <laughs> but no, my favourite was Roger, who, who did like a bit of a cuddle at the end of the day. There's only a couple of camels that will, you know, stop still once they're unloaded and put their head down and have a bit of a scratch and roll around Aww. in the dirt and it's always nice to have a bit of cuddle time. Yeah, you end up, you do, you really appreciate all the camels for their different personalities and abilities. Any bizarre names? You've mentioned Roger and Morgan so far. (laughs) (laughs) So I worked on the B string. We split the camels into two strings, so it's about, you know, 10 camels per string. And the B string had, we had Eddie and Gemma. Um, We had Mungo, Mungo Rock. They, yeah, there's a lot of, so some of these camels come to us from different farms or, you know, they've, 
been camels for other camelliers across the country. We had a camel called Wobbles, whose name had changed over the years. But his hump always wobbled, so he just got stuck with that. And, mm. <laughs> you know, you find camelliers across the country that go, oh, Wobbles, we know him, we worked with him here and there. Yeah, they all have reasons for their names generally. What have we got? General. How long do camels live? About, um, the camels we've got tend to be, they live about 30 years. Yeah. Wow. So, you know, late 20s so they're, they're is quite a long-lived animal. Yeah. And our mob are a bit of an elderly bunch. You know, they're, <laughs> they're starting to get old. Like TC, which stands for Tall Camel, um, and Morgan, <laughs> they trekked with Andrew Harper, our expedition leader, across the desert. They've always trekked with him. So, yeah, they're, they're, they should be retired. I, I dare say that TC will come out next year. I think he's up for retirement. Yeah. So now you've just got to train the c- camels to sniff out fossils and <laughs> yeah, and artifacts, and, <laughs> and then we don't need any scientists. That's right. You can just attach a GoPro to their head and let them go. Yeah. Well, this year we had a film crew out with us that were using um, drones to, to film, which was a first for the camels. It was really fun watching their reaction. How did they react? Did the, they were they a bit wary? They were very wary. We've got a couple of scaredy cat camels too, which can cause trouble you know once they get spooked they cause stampedes and start running so it was a bit of a hairy time the first few times the drone went up but um they got used to it in the end yeah if they stampeded would you just hang on for grim death and get flogged along behind or oh no the stampedes are are the scariest part possibly of being a camelie because if you're walking along so all our camels are tied together to the two strings and um we'll have someone leading the camels by a rope that that very rope that they're all connected by at the front and then one or two of us running up and down making sure the loads are right and camels are behaving so all day you're, you're sort of doing that but if they stampede it starts at the back the back camel or one of the camels further back will spook and run and the sound of that freaks all the camels out and they just charge and the person at the front has to stop dead still and you know hold their hands up and be calm and, and not get trampled and not get trampled and and that that very like that front person being calm is that the camels look to and go oh everything's okay but sometimes it doesn't always go that smoothly you're there going oh my gosh they're not stopping like they're really scared and and it can be quite disastrous (laughs) yeah it can be risky but we haven't ever had any issues the worst is when they get tangled up or you know go into circles but generally they they know that if the camels at the front are chilled nothing's nothing's too scary yeah i have to ask the question was there any camel romance on the trip? Camel between the camels? Yes. Oh my gosh, this year, unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> Give us the goss. <laughs> we had three new camels. We had four new camels, three new boys and a new girl. Oh, and was um, the new girl everyone's favourite, camel-wise? She did cause, yeah, so we only have three females in total in our crew and all the boys are bullocks, they're not bulls, they've been castrated because bulls are really hard to work with. But um, Mungo, Mungo Rock, who's actually a very solid, reliable, strong camel, but he he hadn't been, he, it was only recently that he'd been castrated. So in his head, he's still so he a bull. Remembers. Yeah, he remembers, he knows what to do. And it prompted a lot of our other males into going, oh yeah, that's right, we're, we're males. And it it did get quite risky at one point because when risky bulls... Risky or risque? A little, <laughs> little bit of both. So Mungo tried to mount everyone's, you know, Gemma is this stunningly gorgeous female camel and he he tried to have a go with Jem and that can also be dangerous so we had to grab like try and get him off her Mm. um so we didn't have any injuries because we need the camels to walk every day 
and then two fellas didn't really appreciate that, so they they attacked Mungo. Um, oh, yeah. So and Jealousy. in the wild, camels will kill each other over things like that. They, you know, pin each other down to the ground and bite legs and try and maim each other. So it can be. Oh. I mean, it was you know it's entertaining at the start, and then and then it comes to tears, and we're watching, going, oh my gosh, we need to stop this now. So, so did you have to put uh, Gemma at the very back so none of the boys could see her bum? <laughs> no, we didn't because they could smell her anyway. Oh, so with any, Bin, Bindu was our new female and she went through heat and we managed to keep <clears throat> everyone under control during that. But then it was Gem's turn and it all went out the window. Uh, yeah. So you've brought some some beautiful sounds along with you tonight. <laughs> I have. I have. So the sounds are... Um, Look, there's a fair bit of, of wind going through, which makes them not great quality, but also adds this element of understanding what it's like out there when you're walking. And I've just mm-hmm. chosen two sort of, there's a bit, little bit soundtracks of, of walking in The Simpsons. So one is the sounds you hear on a daily basis. It's really quiet out there unless you're chatting to your other crew members or to a camel. Um, and it, it's it's just actually why a lot of camels love it. You get you, you just unwind. Um, but there's all these clinking of... Well, let's play them before I talk about them, shall we? So that's just your sort of daily noise daily as you're noise. walking along. So if you can imagine you're walking, you know, a metre next to this animal that's just huge, huge, you know, towering above you and carrying water dairies on metal racks that weigh hundreds of kilos. And um, and the clinking you can hear is, you know, everything that is their hobbles. So that we have chains that we hobble them at night when they're feeding. So we let them free range and have a proper big, big feed, but we do use front hobbles so that they don't disappear off into mm. nowhere. Um, and their bells, so we can hear where they are. We can turn their bells on, which clink away at night times so all night long. You've got this sound of bells off in the distance as they're still feeding um, and all the gear clunking around on the racks and then your camel footsteps. Like mm. That's pretty much what you hear and the wind. Do you get used to having to listen to the bells all night? Yeah, you do. Find it soothing eventually? You do, and when they stop or when they're when something's wrong, like you, you, you become so accustomed to the sound of the clinking that you notice a difference. So, mm. yeah, I, when I first started camelering, I was like, this is so annoying. It's so noisy <laughs> all night long, bells everywhere, but it becomes really lovely. Yeah, and just the sound of farting and camels growling and it's revolting, you know. Speaking <laughs> of camels growling, I think we've got that as well. Yeah. <laughs> Is there another much try the next track? That's it. calling or yeah it's it's a bugling sound um, and they do it if they're not I mean that every camel has its own little quirks they do it when they're not happy or they do it to let you know that there's a problem (laughs) 
That'd be scary at night time listening to that. <laughs> well, that's Morgan who is just being grumpy because people are loading him and he just it's his morning routine. Um, but it, when it becomes a lot louder and more urgent, is the sound of um, you know a, another sort of a feral camel is nearby, or, or you'll hear feral bulls run over the dunes making that sound at our camels and you know doing all the urine splashing and the you know, display that males do to each other, which is kind of gross. <laughs> <laughs> did you did you encounter a lot of feral camels? Yeah, we generally do, um, and it and it can or it doesn't always have to be a drama. Like this year, we ran into a family of ten. Oh. In the wetter years, we run into families of sixty plus, which you know wow. just sort of look at us um curiously and stop and stare and then keep going but it's when you get the one or two or three solo bulls that are looking for a new herd you know and they see that what they think is a group of female camels because there's no bulls presenting themselves although bullocks are a bit frightened looking at us going what do we do um except for this year we had mungo and a few others remember how what to do and charge across the dunes at the bulls um and it can get, yeah, it can, just can get risky when they won't go. So we try and frighten them away, which often works. You shoot bullets into the air or crack whips or run, run at them and yell. But sometimes we do need to shoot them because they become a risk. Yeah. Sounds like an amazing adventure to me. <laughs> <laughs> can I come next time? <laughs> yeah, sure. It, it, yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming in, Elsa. It's been amazing talking to you. It sounds incredible. I totally want to go on a camel trek now. (laughs) Um, So if people want to find out more information, do you have a website about your your trek or Uh, anything like that? Definitely. Um, If you would like to go to the Australian Desert Expeditions website, it will tell you all about Project 138 and all of the surveys we've been up to and and a little bit about the history of camels and cameleering and all sorts of info. It's a great little website, lots of photos. Um, And that website is www.desertexpeditions.org. And we'll have a link to that on our Facebook page.